0: another Outbreak podcast from Basic Scotland. These are a series of brief snapshots about relevant topics within pre-hospital care in Scotland and some deep dives with specialists on areas that don't often get looked at within pre-hospital care and responding in Scotland. My name is Dave, I'm an army surgical trainee, a basics responder and a mountain rescue doctor based in Pitlarkery. And today joining me is uh, Sergeant Peter Lorraine Smith. PLS has been a police officer for 22 and a half years and is currently serving as the national search and rescue coordinator for police scotland in addition he's been involved in the Tayside police rescue team for nine years now and acts as the main link man between the police and mountain rescue teams he's here to chat to us about crime scenes statements interactions with the police and medics at and after pre-hospital jobs in scotland peter thanks for uh, thanks for chatting to us
1: oh uh, well you can maybe thank me at the end, Dave. We'll see how we get on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure you'll do fine. So I guess most medics are sort of a little twitchy when dealing with the police because we never quite know what, what we're up against. What's your overall aim when you're dealing with, with doctors at or after accidents or emergencies? Well,
1: I, th- I think that it's important to understand that the most important thing that it, within the police is to preserve life. That is our, our number one aim. Yes, we have to guard, watch and patrol. Yes, we have to solve crime or prevent and detect crime and we have to stop it happening to begin with. But our number one aim is to preserve life, which isn't going to be very far away from anything that anyone as a paramedic or a doctor or or anything on that scale would want to do as well. So we're both in going together in the same direction. We might be coming at it from a slightly different angle and the police might be asking some difficult questions and they could be difficult a because i haven't spent seven years at medical school i spent you know 20 minutes talking to you so i don't understand exactly why you've done something so i might ask a clumsy question because i haven't got the, the knowledge that you have as a doctor or a paramedic but also i might be asking a difficult question because i might clumsily ask it because you have done something wrong so I might stumble across it or it might be just because I don't have the knowledge that you have that I'm asking a question that a, doesn't fit or doesn't get the right answer because I've spent a long time being a police officer, not being a, a
0: paramedic. Fair enough. So uh, I guess the sort of the most common interaction that we as basics responders have with the police is probably around road traffic collisions and out-of-doors accidents. What are your sort of goals and and what are you looking to do when you arrive at a let's say a road traffic collision
1: so i I turn up and i have on the a9 i live close to the a9 and i have been to numerous accidents ranging from really small bumps up to fatal multiple fatals on the a9 and you turn up and initially you have not got a clue what's going on you might have you know a hundred people that have got there before you as a busy sunday afternoon on the a9 They've all got out of their cars, they're all trying to help, and they're all generally getting in the way. So you have to try and A, get the area safe, because there are still people approaching at 70, 80 miles an hour, and if there's other traffic cars coming, they're coming a heck of a lot faster to where the scene is. Nobody ever knows where they are when they're driving around the hills uh, and and roads of Scotland. So we will get um, spurious locations given to us by the caller. I think the worst I've ever had it was being given a location that was actually 60 miles away from where the accident took place on the same road but 60 miles further down the road than, uh, than they were claiming it was so a we've got to try and get to the scene we've got to find out what the heck's going on we then have to try and put some order into what's going on in there and i want to preserve people's life but if i put hands on to a casualty I can't then use the radio, I can't then use any other of the skills that I need to use to keep other people away and get the people like yourselves, the doctors, the paramedics, into the right location. I also then have to triage all the members of the public that are trying to help, because there seems to be a number of Walter Mitties that drive up and down the roads offering help saying that they are an A&E doctor. But there also is a huge number of A&E doctors, of nurses and paramedics who are off duty, who will stop and help. Now, they don't have ID cards. They don't have any med kit with them. But they seem to know what they're talking about. And I have to make a a snap decision in in nanoseconds is to say, yes, you can help. That would be brilliant. Thanks very much. Can you look after this casualty? And no, you can go away because I think you're an absolute joker. So I have to make that decision almost off the top of my head. Sometimes I recognize the person and it's great. Sometimes you're just, you're dealing with difficult cases.
0: So uh, yeah, not an easy snap call to make. So I guess once the initial throwery's settled down, I guess the next time that we tend to have dealings with you guys is sort of in the immediate aftermaths, getting details. What are you collecting that information for?
1: Well, I'm, I'm collecting details of, of yourself. So I want to know who you are, how I can get hold of you again. Often doctors are reasonably transient characters. Some of them will stay in a location for years and years and years. Some of them will be moving on to a new job in months to come. And if you meet up up on the A9 somewhere, they may well be just passing through. And they might be from another part of the UK or even other parts of Europe, the world. So I need to be able to get hold of you because this might end up in a court case. So I need you as a witness to, uh, to be able to stand up in court and say what you saw, what you did, what happened as a result of that. I will also need to know, be able to contact you if there are any further complications. And sometimes we need to know who you are because members of the public that have been involved in accidents want to say thank you. And we can't pass that on. Now, I'm not going to pass them your details, but I can pass on the cards and and wishes and and thanks in times to come when we get given them. So I need to know how to get hold of you. It might be through an email address. It might be through a, a mobile phone. But I also need to know your qualifications. So I'll, I'll take a whole list of things. And sometimes if you're giving those details to a an officer that's standing at the side of the road that's been involved in, you know, you've both been involved in a reasonably stressful situation. That can seem quite draconian or it can seem quite officious. And it's just because the police have a clear way that they, they speak to people and a and sort of very direct, right, what's your name? State of the birth. Where were you born? What's your profession? Where were you qualified? What's your mobile phone number? What's your email? And and the questions come out, bang, 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 bang. Because we ask a lot of questions, so we get used to it. Sometimes, especially other professionals that are used to asking the questions and making the decisions, when that sort of level's taken away from them, they can feel potentially threatened or potentially being questioned. It's not a reason to do that. It's just to try and get all the information that we know that we may need for later.
0: Fair enough. So I guess the next thing, the next time that we have contact with yourselves is, is often sort of the formal statement, you know, a couple of days, maybe a week or so down the line, where you're digging into things in detail. What are you looking for when you take one of those statements?
1: It, it can be quite difficult to take those statements because, A, if, if you're not from that area, if, if it's, unless, it's, unless it's been a fatal and, it, and it's a traffic officer, or a road policing officer who's, who's specifically coming to meet you, I can't drive to Glasgow to take that statement if I'm a beat officer. So I'm going to get a beat officer in Glasgow to come and meet you to take that statement. So they're almost taking the statement blind. They weren't involved with anything. They just have to see, keep saying to you, well, what happened next? And then what did you do? And what did people say to you? And they sort of ask a, a stock five or six questions again and again and again. Basically, what happened next? And what did you do? So you, can, you have to talk them through it. And they have to write down your words. At the end of the day, it's your statement that you are putting your signature to, saying that's what your opinion of what happened. I, you know, if I wasn't there, i am just write down the words that you use. So if it was a statement that I was at, say, I, I know where you live, it's in a local area, I can come around and take a statement. That can be a bit easier. But also, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not medically qualified to the level that you are. So I might be asking clumsy questions that like, a first year medical student would know that's not the case. But a police officer that's been a cop for 15, 20 years won't have that understanding. Um, you know, so it might be simple things that you would, you would think, well, that's just a really stupid question, but it's not my specialist subject. We have to be specialists in absolutely everything, but understand that we're really specialists in very little.
0: Am I right in saying that you're looking for a sort of a narrative account of what's happened rather than interpretation of what you've seen?
1: Yeah, I, I want to know what you did. So you would have been driving up the road and, and i said maybe say, who were you with? What car were you driving? It was your own car. It was a works car. Um, and you've, you've come across an accident. And I will I'll, I'll want you to try and explain to me which way the vehicles were facing because that's something that the police can get hold of because that's something we deal with every day. So you were in the the, the outside lane of the dual carriageway and there was a vehicle parked facing the wrong way. I'll expect you to see that. As a doctor, you might not have seen that. You might have seen something totally different. You might have seen a specific injury that a interests you, or b you've seen before, um, or, or whatever. And, and Also, it might be that vehicles were off the road, and one was on its roof, and so you didn't really know that it was a, you know, a Vauxhall Corsa or a, you know, a Rolls Royce or anything. You just saw a car on its roof, and it was a funny shape, and you weren't really bothered what type of car it was. You just saw a patient, and you were dealing with that patient. So. If I was taking the statement, I would be more interested in, in what you were dealing with, but knowing that I would be coming from a slightly different view because as a police officer, I would see the world in, with slightly different eyes and certainly different glasses. Okay.
0: So I guess the next question on my mind is, quite often I'll go to a cardiac arrest in somebody's house and frequently these are these are unsuccessful. And there's then a little bit of a pause when the ambulance crew speak to control and potentially have to inform the police what for you guys is the deciding line between something that's potentially a crime scene and something that is just a routine pre-hospital death
1: none of that comes down to what you tell us so if we get a certificate from the doctor saying this person died of this and that could be expected then we're quite happy to pack up and go home if it's an unexplained death or it's not expected in any way shape or form then there has to be a level of investigation and then if there's to be a clear-cut reason as to that really shouldn't happen because of the age or because the knife sticking out the person's back was you know etc then it becomes a crime scene at that point it's always a scene until we can prove it's not a crime scene it's a crime scene now the, the example you've given to me of you going to a cardiac arrest possibly of an elderly person that was expecting it I don't expect that we would ever get told about that there might be something lying about in the house that gives you those spider senses that you just think hang on there's something not quite right here if you think there's something not right there probably is something not right but it's always worth asking the question because even if the answer is no no one's going to mind we'd much rather you threw the question at us and said what do you think about this rather than i wish you told us about this you know two days ago because now we found something else that's gone wrong with the family and then went we're, we're now backtracking and trying to find out what was going on generally police officers are fairly suspicious of absolutely everybody and feel that many people are lying to them so we tarred everybody with that brush and i apologize to everyone for that but having been lied to by huge members of uh, members of the public for the last 20 odd years then you can sort of see why why it happens it's not right but it does happen
0: <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, we probably get lied to almost as much as you guys with uh, people whinging about things and struggling with symptoms that we can't quite place. So before we started, we got some some questions sent in by Basics Responders to put to you uh, for sort of a, a bit of a guide for the, the police standpoint. And the first couple were about patient report forms and whether or not we should be sharing these with you at or immediately after a death or a serious incident.
1: I can't remember any times when I've I've looked specifically at patient report form. If a GP has been treating someone recently, normally, or it certainly was within within two weeks. If they'd seen them within two weeks and they were happy to allow a death certificate to be granted, then then we would be happy with that. And we might ask why or what what was the cause of death. And if the doctor's happy to say well the cause of death was X, Y, or Z, and there's nothing on the ward about that, then that's great. If they don't know, then it might have to go for an autopsy, which Again, is we the body would get sent off, and, and and people far cleverer than me would make those decisions. I would ask possibly if we were looking for patient report cards. That was because a case was being reported to the fiscal, and there was a level of investigation after that. You know, the stock phrase that a body a form has being submitted to the fiscal is just because we have to tell the fiscal about every death uh, that that comes across the police tables. If there was more of an investigation, we might get asked by the fiscal for particular paperwork you've got. But that would come with a letter and we will be able to show you that. So, again, if there's any issues, I I don't think there's a problem with, you know, speaking to the the officer directly and saying, well, why have I got to do this? And that that you should be able to get an explanation as to that. And if that explanation doesn't meet your expectations, then you can make some further inquiries with the fiscal that's asking. I wouldn't be expecting as a police officer to ask for anything like that just out of interest because if I don't need to know it I really don't want to know it because my head's full of other things.
0: That's that's really useful I I did some digging before we chatted this this evening to the GMC guidance on this and uh, the General Medical Council is quite clear that patient confidentiality extends from our side and after death just as it was before death so I think our answer should probably be that routinely we wouldn't share anything unless there was an immediate threat to life and that the, the fiscal can get hold of stuff down the line through the sort of the, the formal channels
1: yeah absolutely um i, I can't see any, any problem with that if an individual has a specific case about that then you know they can look into that with the officer in charge of the case or their supervisor or someone someone at the station but i wouldn't be expecting to ask for it and i wouldn't be being expected to be offered it without the fiscal asking for it
0: Okay. the next question was, when would you consider a road traffic collision to be a crime scene?
1: A road traffic collision, in my view, would become a crime scene if somebody was being charged with an offence, A, because of their their driving, uh, the manner of driving. So if it was careless driving or, or, or dangerous or death by careless or dangerous, potentially if somebody was found over the prescribed limit to alcohol or drugs, unfit to drive a motor vehicle because of that. If the car was found to contain a large amount of illegal drugs under the Misuse of Drugs Act, then it would become a crime scene, but the road collision wouldn't be the scene, it would just be the vehicle. So I, I would see, I could see how it could be a crime scene, but it's mainly through the manner of driving or offences that are disclosed because of that. If any of your doctors are then being questioned beyond that, they're not expert witnesses in the manner of driving. They might be asked about that but they're not expert witnesses. They might be in, in, in other parts of it. And I wouldn't see that. That would be a problem. Nothing stops saving life. So you can walk into any crime scene, you can do CPR, you can rip the body out of the seat if that is the way of saving their life. You, you know, Don't destroy everything deliberately, but the police's main objective is to preserve life, so is yours. We can go into a crime scene, we can save someone's life, we can do everything we need to do in order to do that.
0: Is there anything that we can do to help sort of preserve evidence, you know, bits of kit or equipment that we use that you'd want us to hang on to afterwards or routes into and out of a crime scene if there is a high degree of suspicion?
1: If we do have it, and we we, we talk about a thing within the police called the common approach path. So we want everyone to walk in on the same route into a scene. And I use the word scene rather than crime scene there. We want everybody to walk in and out the same way so that one you know, one potential route gets destroyed with everybody's footfall. If you don't need to be in to that scene, you don't go in. Um, if you do need to be in, you go in for the minimum amount necessary. You have to have a legitimate reason for being there rather than being, and being interested isn't, isn't a legitimate reason. So you're either doing some life saving or you're, you're, you're helping with, this, with, uh, with, the, with the response effort. So don't touch anything that you don't need to touch record what you were doing so if you've given a particular drug for pain relief or for, for whatever reason it, it's really good to know how much there was and it's good to know exactly what it was now i know that stuff would trip off your tongue and i won't be able to spell any of it so again you'll have to sort of treat me carefully when i'm getting the statement later on but and, and i will ask the, those daft bloody questions like so is is that a large amount of pain relief is that a small amount is you know what's that equivalent to a, to get a bit of understanding at my mind, I don't know if 10 mils or 100 mils is a lot of morphine because I don't deal with any morphine. The, the, the morphine I see are 10-pound bags that are in kind of the form of badly cut heroin, which obviously you won't be giving to the, uh, the patients, hopefully. We try not to. Yeah, don't touch anything that you don't need to. And if you do do something, just tell me that's what you've done. If you did move something for whatever reason inside a house, or at a road traffic collision that just looks really, really weird. i might say, so why, why did why did you do that? I remember going to one where a, a police officer's gone right up to the crime scene in their vehicle because they were the first person there. And then it, it looked from where they parked their vehicle that they'd caused the accident, but they arrived five minutes later. So it was, if you just turned up, an hour into the into the accident, you'd think, well, this police officer has caused the accident. They've knocked the motorcyclist off their bike, but they haven't. They they were, you know, it was it was happening 50, 60 yards in front of them, actually 40 miles an hour, so that they were able to stop before they got to to the the motorcyclist. But they just got out of their car and left their vehicle there. So admit to what you've done. That would be a good line anyway. But if you've done something like that, tell me. If you go into a house and you've opened the door because you thought that was the kitchen and you thought that was the back door and you needed to open some windows because you wanted to lessen the temperature or get rid of smoke or something like that. Tell me that's what you've done because if the windows are open at an old person's home, is it a break-in or is it somebody's gone in afterwards and opened the windows? That's And it's a really, really minor point. but Just admit it, no one's gonna mind as long as you know.
0: The final question was about DNA sampling. Uh, I get the impression somebody's had their DNA collected after a a job, and they were uh, wondering why this was taken and what happens in terms of it being stored, etc. So, without knowing
1: the specifics of it, and if that individual wants to uh, wants to contact me directly, I might be able to speak to them, you know, away from this. That I wouldn't have an issue with that. But generally speaking, we would take DNA to eliminate somebody from a scene so that we could say, uh, well, this is not DNA from a, a crime scene that we're looking for, because we know that was doctor or paramedic ABC. It depends, we would store that, that DNA for a period of time, and I know that's not very specific, but it depends on the offence. So there will be some, if, if it was a murder scene, then we would have to keep it for the whole trial, we'd have to keep it until there had been any appeals, and it might be kept on record for a considerable time after that. If, and then there were other types of offences where it would be kept on for longer. For someone to have their DNA taken, it was probably, and I use the word probably, they quite a serious offence or potential serious offence that was there. So that should have been clearly explained to them and they probably would have got something written. I would have imagined they'd have been given something written uh, explaining to them why it was being taken and how long it was being kept for. So it might be a friend of a friend that's had their DNA taken but it should have been explained to them.
0: OK, brilliant. Thanks very much for, for sort of unthinking some of those. So just to kind of close things out, looking for three quick top tips of uh, things that we can do as, as Basics Responders to make your life easier, either at a crime scene or in somebody's house or at at a scene of a, a mishap.
1: understand that we're all going the same way. We're all trying to preserve life. That's the number one thing. So we're all aiming in the same direction, potentially coming at it from slightly different angles. If you are off-duty and you can be, carry your badge, that's going to get you through and let me help you if you're off-duty and helping up on the A9 a lot quicker than if you just rock up and go, I'm a doctor, honest, governor I'm sure I can help. And don't be offended if you get told where to go because you don't appear to be some medical professional. So preserve life, carry your ID if you're off-duty and don't touch anything if you don't need to. And if you do, admit to it.
0: Fantastic. Pete, thanks very much for for coming on and chatting to us and and giving us a bit of an insight into into how the police approach these things and and how we interact with you. Yep, yeah, not a problem. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Cheers. Bye bye now.